Yo, what is up, everybody? And welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. I am your host, Matt Guest. With me in Las Vegas, God is moving boxes in the background today because we are going into the new studio. Well, not with you <laughs> here in the next uh, week or so. Is Matt Morris? What is up, brother? Great Dude, to see. You. Great Good evening. Hell yeah. Um, dude, I'm excited. I so I'm moving for you, the listener. Um, we finally got our place. Super excited about it. Uh, through all the triumphs and tribulations, what is you know renting a house from someone? It's fantastic. We did all the utilities in our name today? Fun stuff. But um, can't wait to get in. We move Sunday. You know, you and I talked. We may or may not have a podcast next week, depending on yeah, TBD life. life. Um, but I'm more excited to like get in the room because I have a room designated for the new studio. And there's going to be a lot of measurements and a lot of tape on the wall trying to find out like which jersey goes where and like how many camera <laughs> angles I can work with in this room. Because presumably I'd like to have like three different camera angles so that I can change it up. Um, adult stuff, man. Weird stuff to be like excited about as an adult. It's it's fascinating <laughs> like, what we get excited about now that we're, you know older and you're 30 so welcome to the club <laughs> yeah pulling out the measure or the the tape measure the level you know <laughs> maybe the drill but you probably only need to use a screwdriver because if you use the drill you're going to start messing up the holes classic renting right but then what eventually happens is you make your room maybe not necessarily the podcast room but like the living room and you don't mount your tv and you're like fuck it i'm just blasting a hole in this wall because <laughs> This TV is taking up way too much space on, uh, you know, like the ottoman or wherever you have it set up, right? Like you just just toss it on the wall, dude, and just figure out how to cover it up in time to get your security deposit. Like everyone and every landlord knows that's the risk they're taking, in my opinion. So no, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see the studio because that little room you're in is great, but it's just for your collection level and for the amount of swag that you have to put on the wall. It's just like your background is doing it zero justice. It, it really is. Well, and that was like, so f- like for the listener, if you don't watch our, our videos online, you know, my studio currently is in our guest bedroom. So no matter what we do based off of the way we angle the camera and like how this room is set up, the guest bed is always at least always like partially in a shot. And when Brooke and I were looking at like getting our rental house, it was like, okay, here's the deal. It needs four bedrooms minimum because we need, we need the room for super recording. So there's no bed in it. And it was like, okay, well, that takes us from like 1800 a month to like 22, 23, 24. It was like, listen, that's just like, that's a sacrifice I'm making, right? Like we have done this now. We're coming up on, we're past two years, right? We're going to be coming up yeah. on three. We just passed two years in March. March. Okay. So yeah, I mean, like it's a commitment and I'm stoked about it. Um, and I will say this kind of like to your security deposit comment, I'm under the like impression now as a 31 year old where I wasn't at 20 security deposit upon giving it is gone. Like the <laughs> fact that you know you and I right. got any money back when we lived together and like that we may get money back from this apartment, which we're not. The dog has destroyed the carpets. Um, it's just gone. So like I'm cool with that. Like it sucks. But that's part of renting, right? Like you know, you you're lucky to get half of it back. Like when you and Lise move out, you'll get ha- probably half back. What'd you get from the last place? Do you remember? Uh, I got most of it. I got like eighty five percent of it, but nice. I pulled a I pulled the good old fashioned bring your baby to the walkthrough, <laughs> um, and he started crying like 
five to eight minutes, like right during small talk, like, you know, during the small talk portion, I was renting from someone who owned the house. So that's a little bit different than a property management company, obviously a benefit. And I was like, oh shit, he's crying. Like, sorry, do, do you mind if we, you know, fucking hurry this up? Right. And so she missed a lot to say the least, you know, and she's like, okay, so we're just going to clean the carpet. It's probably about, you know, 300 bucks and we'll give you the rest. Sounds good. You want to sign here? I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's okay. I was like, <laughs> fucking let's go, you know? So I, I did pretty good. And then we, the place before we pulled a, they didn't tell us we were getting our deposit 30 days after we moved out and in California um, and in the lease after day 29, if they don't give it back to you, they owe you the whole thing. So nice. And she deserved it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see. I'm, I'm under property management in this spot. So I know for a fact for the young ones out there listening to this moral to the story, if you're renting from a property management company, you're definitely maybe getting 50% back hundred percent. They're cleaning the carpets and the windows and the walls. And that's all coming out of your fucking deposit, no matter if they're spotless. So don't clean as much. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully agree with you. And kind of like to your sentiment too, if you have a landlord, build the relationship. You know, I, yep. I think I think any references I, too. Yeah, anytime I've dealt with an individual where it's either a landlord or a homeowner and you build that rapport and you build that relationship, when you're when they're doing that final walkthrough, they're not viewing you necessarily as the tenant, they're viewing you as the person. And they're gonna overlook things. It's just human nature when you have when you have a, like a place that you have an emotional attachment to someone you're gonna be like how how much like that's a pretty big hole but eh, we'll figure it out you know like it's not like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like hey, you were good people as opposed to oh you guys you guys were shitty you had five noise complaints in just the you know the month of march alone um yeah dude just little things little tidbits of knowledge that have definitely worked well for both of us in our lives you know like yeah. it's that sales mentality of always selling yourself and building relationships with that intent it was you know it was similar to uh hanging a photo over a three foot circumference <laughs> hole in the wall. You know, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things. <laughs> you can just see two, you can see two, two by fours, you know, 12 inches apart, but it's no big deal. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Well, let's jump into it. We, uh, I think today's podcast is actually going to be pretty short. Um, you and I are, the move is throwing, you know, a little curveball and some stuff, but, we have some ideas what we want to do. We want to get your studio set up first. The month of May is a bad month for me personally with things going on in my family. You got like three birthdays, Mother's Day and all sorts of stuff. So uh, energy levels aren't high coming up with a you know time to record in a one-year-old. So next week is most likely taking next week off. And then we'll have, we have some fun stuff that we need to go, go get through. But today, we're going to keep it simple. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs here after, as we're recording this tonight, uh, Phoenix just went down three to two to the nuggets. Lakers are up three, one, uh, Miami's up three, one and Philly just went up three, two. I feel like I'm missing one, but I don't think I am. Um, and then, so we want to talk a little bit about that. I have a couple takes. I want Matt's thoughts on for basketball. But first, we want to jump a little bit into baseball. Now, you usually say it best. It's May, right? You know, like Otani's doing his thing. Garrett Cole looks pretty good out there on the mounds. The Mets have a bunch of injuries. Uh, Trout is playing good, but the Angels suck as well. You know, we're kind of in the the dog days of baseball here, as I like to call them. I feel like right around the home run derby, 
all-star weekend is when things start ramping up your boy bryce harper did come back like a psychopath with an iron arm cast on his on his right uh, right elbow but he did it a home run uh but i, I wanted to kick it over to you we did have a bunch of rule changes here and the biggest one is the pitch clock and how is that affecting guys what have you been seeing and let's have a little bit of discussion about that and what you've seen as far as like some pitchers complaining and the the fantasy impacts too like fantasy baseball impacts yeah i i think the pitch clock more than anything else has been the biggest change for major league baseball this season and you're seeing it really in the underlying numbers as well as just the baseline numbers for a couple of the bigger guys in the league and we saw comments this week come out from Alec Manoa, who outright said he can't catch his breath at times on the mound when he has the 15-second pitch clock, which would be with no runners on base. And it's been a big concern for him because then you go ahead and you look down at his numbers and you actually look at the, the pitch clock for him more times than not is actually a little bit longer because he's constantly allowing base runners. If you look at just his numbers today, I want to see he had four walks. Um, he got pulled after four and two-thirds. And he just hasn't overall pitched well at all this season. His number is at 36 innings on the season. He has a 4.71 ERA and a 1.65 WHIP. He was a top 20, if not top 15, pitcher last year. Tonight he went again four and two thirds, had four hits, had four walks. So that's eight base runners just tonight. So you talk about the 15 seconds. Like let's roll that into the 20, 25 second rule. You know that should be more than enough time for you to catch your breath. Uh, he did have one outstanding outing this season against New York. And one thing I always say about Noah if you listen to this podcast before is he dominates the Yankees. It's just who he is. His first major league start was against the Yankees. I've watched almost all of his Yankee starts. He just has their number. Every other start's been really concerning for him. And his ERA is almost double what it was last year. And then there's a guy that's a little bit bigger in the league and has to, you know, concern himself with obviously weight and obviously the pitch clock is Lance Lynn. <laughs> um, two big boys, you know, Bartolo's not, not in the league anymore. CC's not in the league anymore. Like those traditionally were the guys that we thought about and like kind of joked about with like weight, but Lynn's a big dude, and he's had 39 innings this year. He's had a 6.86 ERA, and his Oof. whip's at 1.5. It's not good. Um, but some inspiring numbers from Lynn is he's got the strikeouts up. So in 39 innings, he got 50 Ks. It's a lot. Um, Tampa Bay hit a 10-strikeout performance. You look at Minnesota on the 11th, had a 10-strikeout performance. He's doing all right, um, but he's allowing runs. You know, you look at Cincinnati on the 5th, four runs. Tampa Bay on the 29th, four runs. You look at Toronto on the 24th, four runs. Philly on the 18th five runs 10 hits that day and he's not really as concerned with manoa with walks his highest walk over the last five game stretch has been three he did that twice against philly and against toronto um but i'm assuming there's concerns there as well with with stamina and the big thing that i want to notate here is the advantage that i had brought up in preseason which is some of the younger guys these kids coming out of the minor leagues have already built into their repertoire and their mechanics and their entire game plan the pitch clock because that's what they've dealt with mason miller came up this year with the a's pitched very well you have bryce miller with the mariners just got it done with his second start against houston pitched very well um you look at brandon fought for the arizona diamondbacks not pitching well there's some concerns there, obviously giving up home runs um you have you know andrew abbott coming up very soon a lot of guys that are younger are doing well and some of the older guys are struggling max scherzer is one of those and I think definitely we're going to see transitions throughout the rest of the season. As you've talked about July coming up, I think we're going to see some of these vets figure this out and we're going to start to see positive regression for some of these guys. Uh, steals are up as we talked about. That's not a big, yeah. Game. I mean, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. The only other thing is I'm, I'm positive. The juice ball is back. Um, hmm. 
well, I, I will have more numbers for you in two weeks because I, I need to do a really big deep dive into the league and, and see. But I know baseball. I've watched baseball my entire life. Some hits and some ballparks, the ball is just, I mean, fly balls are going out. And I, I haven't seen that since 2019. <laughs> and I think guys like Alec Manoa, Dylan Cease is a great name to throw out there. If we were to look at his numbers, they're pathetic in comparison to what he was last year. Um, pitchers that traditionally over the last couple of years have done well are doing poorly. And I think it's because their pitch style was very detrimental if there was a juice ball and we're seeing those ramifications. So we'll have more data for you, but those are the two big things. I've so noticed for, yeah. So for the juice ball thing here, like, is that when you say that, do you mean major league baseball has that specific design or are, do you know if the parks all have the same, like, humidifier because i remember that was a big deal i think it was last season was that some parks were using the humidifier to keep their balls stored in and some parks weren't which were resulting in different um uh like launch angles i think it was more uh like the miles per hour off the bat i don't know exactly what the that stat is but do you mean by juice balls like is it two years ago where they were actually admitted to yeah we changed the fabric of the baseball or the the makeup of the baseball or is everyone now have adjusted to the humidifier so 30 ballparks i think that's every ballpark it's sad that i don't yeah i think there's 30 30 ballparks have the humidor um humidor and the original proponent of that was obviously the Rockies because of the elevation. And then um, Arizona actually implemented it as well. And that's one of the big reasons Arizona is no longer a hitter-friendly park like it used to be. Because, again, they have higher elevation as well. Correct. Um, and I want to say Major League Baseball came out two weeks ago and said they were having a hard time sourcing yarn. Um, but Interesting. That's, that's hearsay. I'm under the impression now that the ball will be always changing that the idea that the ball wasn't always changing may be ridiculous. We may have just assumed <laughs> seriously though, that the ball, yeah, I know that's true. The ball. But when you think about the way major league baseball does it is every ball is hand woven, woven itself. So you don't have a machine just plopping these things down. Sure. Form standard, you know, and with that comes variance. Like there's no way around that. And when you actually look at the inner workings of the ball, which I think is like 16 layers, you know, but at the core, which is a bouncy ball, a rubber ball, um, everything is put into place to stabilize it and to make it less bouncy. But so far in the season, a month, you know, in a week that we've had so far, home runs are up. And I just think the current state of the ball is that it's a little bouncier. The drag is less. Again, I want to look at data. I want to look at numbers. But also, things are, it's warmer. It's much warmer. I was warmer just going to say that too. It's yeah. been a warmer, warmer spring, beginning of yeah. summer, um, except California, of course. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I was actually thinking that too. It's been, I feel like it's been a really, really dry um, April and May this year for sure throughout the, con- the country. I think the humidor is, uh, is a factor, but I, <laughs> what you said actually struck a chord with me. Maybe they were always just different. Yeah. Right. And maybe maybe the yarn or the leather or the ba- the ball, the bouncy ball in the middle. If you've never taken a baseball apart, find one in your house. It's actually really fun to do. Um, but maybe they they are just a little bit different now. Uh, I, I agree with you. I do think it's always been changing. 
I don't know if I'll be like, oh, the juice ball is back. I haven't looked close to enough stats that like you have as far as like fantasy baseball and things like that. But I, I do think it's interesting. And I think I agree with you to the point that the ball is always going to be different. Like it's, it's never going to be same the same. And I think that's the best part. I'm, I'm the big classic baseball guy, right? I think there's a massive human element to this. And if you go to the ballpark and you go to a game, your starting pitcher, if they throw five innings, is probably throwing 50 to 60 different balls minimum, right? So yeah, they're all going to be the same weight and feel a little like similar and there's going to be small differences. But I mean, the, the margin for error is there on every single ball, every single pitch. Well, I think... Like to your point, like the beauty of the game is kind of seeing the ebbs and flows of a season and um, kind of to draw that back into what we're seeing with fantasy right now. MJ Melendez is a really fun like statistic to look at because he's having an absolute horrendous season um, batting around 200 power just hasn't been there plays in a tough ballpark in Kansas City. But if you look at his baseball savant, which is something we pulled up last year, oh, yeah. his hard hit percentage is at, in the 98th percentile. His max exit velocity is in the 90th percentile. His average exit velocity is in the 98th percentile. His barrel percentage is in the 88th percentile. Crazy. All things that should tell you this guy's an elite an all-star. power hitter. <laughs> yeah. But then we go deeper. K rate, 8th percentile. Whiff percentage, 2 percentile. Chase rate, mm. 30th percentile. So what it also says is like he's boomer bust, right? He, if he if he makes contact, it's gone probably. If he doesn't make contact, he's striking out because that's what the numbers are showing, and that kind of ties us right back into fantasy baseball. We're seeing a lot of the guys this season that were like middle tier, like you know, meddling average starters, kind of elevate themselves to either useful or entering and pushing that elite tier. One of the biggest names that I think floats around this season is Corbin Carroll. Who just you know avoided a catastrophe and in, an in injury regards, but also Ronald Acuna. I think of Ronald Acuna throughout his career. He's a power hitter. You know he's flashy. He only has six home runs this year. He's fifteen stolen bases. He's batting three thirty. Like mm. that's where the shift is having really big impacts. Also, pitchers, guys that would give up you know four or five hits in a game, one walk, maybe a home run. It would be a solo shot. You know I'm talking about Valdez for the Astros, giving up eight, nine hits. Like there's a big difference now with the shift. Valdez up until today, two and four. I think he won today, so he's three and four. Went eight innings with 11 strikeouts. Great game. But he's drastically impacted because the shift is now giving up double the hits for him. You know, like So the game is definitely changing, and we don't yet have enough numbers to really see, okay, like who can we now project as like fantasy superstars um, like we would in years past. But for the most part, it is kind of staying the same. Guerrero is still at the top of the league leaderboards. You know, Judge had the injury. If he didn't have the injury, he'd be at the top. Mookie's playing really well. Ronald Acuna is there. Matt Olson, a guy that we kind of talked about preseason as like dark horse MVP, doing great. Um, Devers, Goldschmidt. And then you have the random names like Yandy Diaz, Max Muncy, uh, Randy Rosarena is having a great season. So a lot of fun like variants so far, but we are still seeing the the big boys kind of dominate just in Acuna's case in a very different way. Yeah. And in the different way is something we talked about in our preview too, um, month and a half ago, whenever we were getting ready for baseball season is that the more traditional get on base, make contact, let's 
not swing for home runs and strikeouts like that gentleman that you had mentioned in your, in your example. Um, getting back to the small ball is what you predicted was going to take some of these teams over the edge. Now we, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when you know Baltimore is still doing well. The Brewers are doing a lot better than they are in the next couple of like in these past couple of weeks. And there's some surprising teams that are just playing small ball and playing the game the right way which is going to be the new transition in the new era of major league baseball, which is something that's fun indifferent that we don't dislike Ronald Acuna anymore because he only has six home runs, but he's on base more than he ever has been. He's stealing bases. He's being electric on the base paths in a way that we weren't seeing baseball just a year ago. And for, you know, the casual fan, that's fun to watch guys do. And as we're seeing this shift in major league baseball, what I'll get to here, I'll let you finish up on baseball, but is that's, I'm seeing a shift in the NBA that I really want to talk about too. And it's interesting that we're seeing it in two thirds of, of the major sports that we cover. And in my opinion, the two, you know, two of the third, three biggest sports in America. Well, and I have one more thing to add of baseball, but I wanted to mention, I, I think we're going to start seeing that in the NFL this season too. We've started to see it a little bit over the last couple of years where you and I have banged our desks over and over and said, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Run That's the ball. true. I think this season, especially for our team, for the Packers, like you're going to start to see the ball being run more. Um, and kind of to wrap up the baseball, like the biggest one I want to highlight is one that I'm really ashamed of because I have been marred by my own personal emotional attachment negatively <laughs> to this individual and he's doing really well. And I'm glad I really am genuinely glad. Um, that's Cody Bellinger. He's doing great this season. He's very, very much. So if I can say, looking at his numbers back to form and it's not the necessarily old Cody Bellinger, it's what he's turned himself into which is seven home runs, nine stolen bases, betting 298. He has nine doubles, 37 total hits. He's an all-around player right now. We know he's a gold glover. There was always that, right? But the issue was, damn, Cody just couldn't hit over 220. The power was gone. He's really brought himself to be an all-around useful player. And it's translated in fantasy baseball, and it's translated to the Cubs. And like, if you kind of project him out, he's going to be a 30-30 guy this season that probably bats 275. I don't have his strikeout numbers in front of me, so I can't pull that up. It still looks like he's you, striking out. You would assume they're game. Oh, okay. I'll just say you'd assume they're a bit down, but he's making more contact, that's for sure. Making more at contact. a bare minimum, you know. And and more importantly, he's showing that again, back to like the change in profile, you don't have to be Rafi Devers or Matt Olson. Like pulling up Rafi's numbers, Rafi's hitting two fifty, he has eleven home runs. You know, his on base percentage is at three oh one. Like that's definitely not a guy the Oakland A's want. Um, for Moneyball reference, but Matt, <coughs> excuse me, um, Cody's doing everything right. Like we're going to see more of these players over the next two, three years, really elevate themselves to like team leaders. And kind of referencing your last point with the Brewers and the Orioles, like Brewers just had a lot of injuries. Um, I don't care how great you are philosophy wise and like what your team's doing when you lose half your rotation, half your outfield, and you're starting third baseman, like you're going to struggle and regression was coming for them. We kind of knew that. Um, but again, a third of the way, you know, a little less than a third of the way through the season, like a lot of fun things so far in baseball. Hell yeah. No, I love it. I, I, I like these small market teams playing. Well, I was looking at the ALE standings the other day. I was blown away to see what was going on over there and the Yankees will be fine, right? They have a lot of injuries. They signed a lot of guys in, in their rotation that were risky, you know, like yeah. Rodon and, you know, these are all really good players, but 
they have an injury history and so does Aaron judge. And it's the least surprising thing to see him a little banged up the year after he signs a contract. Like this stuff kind of happens, right? Um, but yeah, overall I'm excited for baseball too and happy to see where it's going, but it is NBA playoff time. So I just kind of mentioned it while we were chatting about baseball and them moving back to an old school type of baseball. And that's, that's where I want to lead off our quick basketball talk here on the podcast is that throughout watching the NBA playoffs, now that I've put my depression to bed from the bucks losing is that I I'm, I might be crazy here, but I'm seeing a transition off of the three pointer dominating wins and actually proving to win championships in the NBA playoffs. And what I mean by that is, I think the final four teams are almost set in stone here, right? We're going to get Miami versus Philadelphia, most likely in the Eastern conference finals. And I think most likely we're going to get the LA Lakers and the Denver nuggets playing in the Western conference finals. And what you see in the similarities between those four teams is they're kind of an inside out approach, which in my opinion is the right way to shoot threes. It's not to chuck up a three with, 18 seconds left on the shot clock just because you got the ball out early in transition. Um, It's going away from the Golden State Warrior style of ball. Now, I don't think what Golden State did was obviously unsuccessful, but they also had Curry and Thompson have and had Curry and Thompson. It's different. You know, these guys on the Lakers, these guys on the Bucks, you're not Steph, right? You don't need to be taking a shot that early in the shot clock unless, you know, it's a wide open shot and you're just missing what you're seeing from these teams that are going to most likely make the final four this year in basketball is they're ran through a big and they win and lose games based on the effectiveness of their big man's offensive and defensive impact. And I think we're starting to see a transition in the NBA for teams that want to be contenders to have good role players work from an inside out perspective, have a good big man with solid guards and with good defense and that mentality, you can make a deep run because coming into the playoffs, you thought it was Milwaukee. You thought it was Boston. Uh, Golden state will probably figure it out. Those teams, if you aren't hitting shots, you're done. And that's where I think I see the NBA going. Well, and I finally got to watch one of my first NBA like game actions the other day. And it was the end of the sun's, uh, Nuggets game and I kind of talked to you you know while we were prepping for this show and it was awesome to actually watch playoff basketball I don't have cable so it's always my like easy out. <laughs> I'm like I can't watch it you know it's all on cable and God Jokic is so good man um, Booker was great the Suns ball movement was fantastic um, you know the bench player that I can't remember his name Schmott yeah it was, Land- it was Landry Shamit Shamit hit three huge threes um, but it was because of ball movement. It wasn't because he ran on the court and just said, oh, I'm taking this shot. The Suns right. were in, they were out, they were back in, they were out. He's wide open because the Nuggets are trying to guard Booker and Durant, and he just got lost three times, and he hit three big shots. But what I was more impressed with was Nuggets get the ball back, they go down the court, they don't jack up a three, they work the ball into the lane, they take a shot, they make it, right? First one, it was Murray. They just completely gave him a, a free layup. He takes it, Jokic hits him easy bucket. Next time down, Jokic goes down. He works Aiden, works him, gets a shot, makes it. And final time down, you know, every time the Suns are going down, they're getting another point because they're hitting a three. 
The Nuggets aren't afraid. They're just going to go down. They're going to take what's given to them. They're going to score. And they lost the game because ultimately there were some things out of their control that got the game out of control. Um, but I, I loved it. I was like, this is what I want to see when I watch basketball. Like, I want to see a team actually executing what they're really good at. The Suns were completely keeping Murray out of the equation in regards to the three and any shots. That was just the defensive strategy in the fourth that I saw. That Murray was not going to beat them. But you have a perennial MVP in Jokic who will now beat you. If you're not going to allow him to make a shot, you will make a shot. And I think we're also seeing the construction of these teams. You look at the Nuggets with Jokic. You look at the Sixers with Embiid. Right? You look at the Lakers with Anthony Davis. A big question mark I have for this Final Four is will Bam be, be the focal point of the offense or will Jimmy continue to try to be the guy because you're not going to go up against the 76ers and win a series if you don't make Bam the highlight. Bam has yeah. to play defense on Embiid and he has to be the showcase and Jimmy has to play off Bam. That has to be the entire identity of what the Heat have in this in this Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just not sold on the Heat yet. Now, if, we, if they can do that, they have a shot against Philadelphia. I don't think they have a great shot because I think Philly is significantly the better team. You, you disagree, I think, with me. Um, but I'm definitely excited for where the NBA is headed here. Yeah, and I, I think just capitalizing on the easy bucket, right? To your point of the Nuggets. Yeah, they lost the game. Shamit had the fucking fourth quarter of his life, right? Yeah. You know, that, that stuff's going to happen. Lonnie Walker scores 14 in the fourth, you know? Unfortunate for Golden State, but... There's still when Golden State was running the best, when I think the Boston Celtics are at their best is when Jason Tatum's attacking the rim, when he's attacking the mid range, when he's drawing fouls, getting to the line, when Kevin Durant can't make a shot, but he keeps constantly getting to the free throw line to get back in rhythm and to get shots back up and to put points on the board. That is the best way and the way I see basketball moving forward. You know, I see a lot of these. Twitter people and pages that I really actually, frankly, disagree with talking about the NBA is all about the mid range and taking the jump shots and being able to score one on one. Now, I agree that's a massive part of basketball and what you need to do to be successful, but it's also about getting the most efficient and easiest shot. And for guys that are in the NBA, that's a layup and a dunk most of the time, right? I'm not saying getting an open three isn't great. But the downfall and the demise of a lot of these teams down the stretch of these games is they can't find a way to make an easy bucket. And there really is probably five to seven guys that you feel confident with taking a really tough one-on-one shot down the stretch. And seven's probably a stretch, Matt. And if you start seeing teams like Miami make it as an eight seed, and even with this roster construction, to your point, we'll talk about Philly here in a second, into the conference finals, into deep playoff runs year after year after year because they play team ball and get the best shot every single possession, I think we'll start to see a, see a big change um, in the NBA. And in my opinion, I think it's a positive change because I like seeing, to your point, passing, layups, free throws, everything, not just, hey, let's just chuck threes and whoever makes the most shots today win the game. That's that's not that that's the kind of basketball that's honestly lost the viewership over the fa- past few years. Well, it's interesting. I was having the conversation yet again around how the Golden State Warriors dynasty was built in regards to beating LeBron, which is yet another you know, I think chain on his mantle, um, and that's with Durant signing with Golden State. And the point I'm trying to make here is I think a lot of construction in the NBA is pure pure freaking luck. Bucks drafting sure. Giannis, right? Got lucky that nobody else had any idea of the potential that was about to be tapped into. 
Jokic taking in the second round, if I'm correct, 47th overall. Some um, yeah, deep in the deep. second round. Um, <clears throat> Curry falling, Clay falling to them, right? Taking Draymond in the second round. All all great like scouting, but luck involved in that. Um, Embiid being the third pick because of the concerns of the back, right? Clearly the best player in that draft. I don't think there was any question of that, but the big concern was do we have another uh, Greg Oden, right? Do we have a guy that just never plays because the, the injury is too severe? So he gets taken third. There's a lot of luck involved in a lot of these organizations. And what I'll say with that is the NBA changes based off how the luck falls. And the luck just happened to fall. These big men in the NBA really worked out that Milwaukee was able to put together a team basketball approach. But the Nuggets before the Murray injury were starting to showcase themselves as a team basketball first mentality, right? So what does the rest of the league have to do? They have to respond. Much as they responded to Steph and Clay, everyone's like, okay, we'll shoot the three ball. Well, how quickly did that window close? Like it, it was a very short window. Like we were looking at it from a perspective of fandom. It's like, hey, damn, this is, seems like it's been going on forever. It really hasn't. Like it's right. been going on half of LeBron's career. LeBron before the Golden State Dynasty was more of an attack first league, right? Like you think back to the Pistons when he beat them in that playoff series and put up 26 straight points, like that was team basketball and he beat team basketball by himself. The emergence of the, the first like real dominant player. Right. And what, and what, what was the team that beat him up the most in Miami, right? It was the San Antonio Spurs. Antonio what, Spurs. what was, you know, and yeah. what was their identity? They were shooting threes and they were making threes. They had Danny Green, Tony yeah. Parker, um, right. They, they could hit shots, but it was team ball. It was yeah. inside out. Right. And, and I really think we're going to see the three balls not going anywhere. That's not what I'm trying to say. But if you want to win big games and big times, you, you need to have a real offense. This one on one BS. Let's chuck a three. Everyone thinks they're Curry. there's one Curry. There's never going to be Curry again. You know, and, and I think we're really starting to realize that. And even with Curry's greatness, you're seeing the impact that a good, well-rounded big in Anthony Davis is having against even Curry and all his greatness. So um, really interesting there. I did want to move on and talk a little bit about the Sixers too. So you asked, and you didn't really ask, you mentioned if I thought Miami was a superior team or Philadelphia was much more superior. Now, I think Philadelphia is better than Miami. And, you know, we're recording this before game six in Philly. And before I get to my take here on this is, Matt, you still need to remember this is Doc Rivers, right? And we've been doing this for a little over two years. We've been friends for longer than that talking sports. You know how I feel about Doc. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty passionate about my thoughts and feelings towards him. For some reason, I feel like this year is different though. Like I feel like he's tapped in to the potential of his team and he's finally fully understood the men on that roster. And the biggest thing is James Harden is actually playing like an excellent teammate this year. He's in shape. He looks good on the court. He, he is the alpha. He's the leader. Now, Embiid's the best player. Don't get me wrong. But he's facilitating, and he's he looks like an actual leader out there, and I think that's helping Doc out immensely. And then, obviously, not having that Ben Simmons man anywhere in the building. Because did you hear one thing about Philadelphia this offseason, Matt? Negatively, like did no. you? Did you? Was there any Twitter, ESPN? There was never. Well, other really than anything. Harden might go back to Houston, which is just people which completely is, stirring the pot. 
Right. Giannis also doesn't want to be in Milwaukee anymore. And what's he going to do next? It's just, you know, typical NBA Brian Windhorse bullshit. Right. Yeah. And some of it will probably come true. And that's no that's just what Windhorse does. And he's good at his job. And that's why he makes a lot of money. Right. But yeah, man, like that's the smoke that he might go back to Houston. Not that Simmons is sitting at practice on his phone, texting one of the Kardashians and taking selfies, but is afraid to shoot a layup. You know, it, it's been all about ball this year. And the reason I want to talk about Philly is I started to think it's their year, Matt. Embiid staying healthy. Harden's putting up 40-point games and must-win playoff games. Um, Tyrese Maxey's looking great. And, oh, hey, don't forget, they made the signing of the year, the guy that I missed and was sad about the second he left Milwaukee, P.J. Tucker, as the wily veteran there to pump up and keep and hold everyone accountable in the room. Um. I think this might be Harden and Embiid's year because in my opinion, this is it for Harden. I don't think he has another run in him. I I think this is it for him. Knock on wood. Luck is on his side. He hasn't gotten hurt yet. He hasn't had that catastrophe in the playoffs that he's had his entire career. I, after watching the game tonight against Boston and seeing how they dominated them for 40 minutes, I think Philly's going to the finals. I really do. And I, on the opposite side of that, if somehow, some way Miami gets there, I need Jimmy Butler to win a ring. <laughs> like, yeah. like if he gets to the finals this year, I I'm all in on them winning a ring, but I just, it, it feels like this is Philly's year. It just feels like it. And there's no better year. I, I, I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Do you think Harden has one more shot of looking this good? And just got like, I know he's a great player, but I know you probably haven't watched a ton of their games. He looks great, man. He looks really, really good. Well, my takeaway would be, and I, th- I think that the report that he may head back to Houston, I think is very true. Uh, you've heard it multiple times from different sources this season, and he has, I think, even commented like he's open to it. Now, the only way he'd consider that is if he knew he was coming towards the twilight of his career. If right. he knew my, my runs for championships are probably over. And I think from his perspective, you have to look at any professional athlete and say to yourself, okay, if they've tried multiple times with multiple different teams and like just can't get it done, you got to look at the writing on the wall, right? Like this is it for him in Philly. If they don't win, he's gone probably. Right. You can really run it back again. Like probably not. And I do think it can be Philly's year. And I think how much better for a change of the guard in the regards to how the NBA is being played than have it be a Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis. Joel Embiid, Jokic, finals, where you have the two biggest players on the court being the fundamental foundation for how the team runs its game, being two bigs. And to your point with the Heat, I, I'm just not a believer. A lot of that also, much like Cody Bellinger, is tied into my emotions. The heat. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, a lot of underlying pain for what they've done you're, to Milwaukee. You're turning, you're turning the page on Butler, though. Like, the, yeah. at this point, it's a respect thing, you know? Correct, and I have to respect him. Yeah. And... um. Man, if he can get past Philly or Boston, right? The series aren't over, but I think sure. we, are, we are assuming Philly wins. Um, he elevates himself to a legendary playoffs run, no matter whether they win or not. Just I said it last time we talked about Butler. He has jumped the Dame Lillard clutch for me, and that's saying a lot because I've seen Dame do it really well, but Jimmy's just doing he's doing crazy things. Um, but I really do think it's the Sixers, and think it's because the heat just aren't deep enough i think it's because bam's not ready for this i i've been saying this for years i just don't think bam 
has what it takes to be more than a number two. And when you're in a league where the bigs are now becoming the number ones, you cannot be a number two. Not unless Jimmy is out there for four games, putting up 40 points, putting the entire team on his back like he's done this playoffs. But against Embiid and Harden and Harden and Maxi, you know, like this is a different team. They're playing the Knicks right now. I want to remind everybody they're playing the Knicks. Randall's having an all-time playoff collapse. <laughs> yeah. And, and like there's yeah, only so I much. I mean, you, it's it, just. It's bad for New York and it sucks. Which is like you got to give a little credit to Bam there. But yeah, it's also. It sucks for it sucks for Julius. Like I don't know what's going on. I this is the second year in a row. It's I was just, gonna say it's it's second year. The in wheels row. have fallen off. Yeah, and for it's him, incredible regular season. You know, like, yeah, and good first round against Cleveland too. He looked he looked fine. He looked good against those guys, but yeah. I don't know, man. And and that's the thing, right? Like, do we see an elevated version? Do we see this Bam against Embiid? Like, is it all of a yeah. sudden? Is it Jimmy versus Harden? Right? Like. I mean, is hero coming back early, right? Is are there things that happen? Like I just I do I do think it's Philly season. Uh, and I think it's because well, I'm just looking at box scores again because I haven't been able to watch these games, but Harden's back. And I and I joked yeah. at work, I said the East finally gets to reap the James Harden curse, which is like, damn, 40 a game, almost guaranteed. And I know he hasn't been doing <laughs> that all playoffs, but like when you have a Harden out there that can put up 40, you're in trouble. And the difference is it's not Chris Paul that's his countermate right now. It's Joel Embiid. It's the MVP. Right. You know, he, he's got his big. It's his, it's his Kobe and Shaq moment where I know that's an unfair pairing, but like you got a big and you got a two. Like that's the way I would, I would structure my team. That's the way I'd build it. A two and a, and a center. Like you, you should be primed for a championship run and they're looking like it. Yeah. And I mean, and then he's empowering Tyrese Maxey, who's yeah. he's played okay, but he had a great game tonight. Uh, I mean, what did I say over a year, a year plus ago when they got this trade? I said, I expect a Shaq Kobe type of connection with Embiid and Harden. And no one's ever going to repeat that. But like, that's, that's the level of expectation I had for Philly getting Harden. Like, he's, I still believed in him. I still believe in him. I think he's that good of a player. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about that. And, I just think with his skill set that him and Embiid should be unstoppable and that two man game on the pick and roll at the top of the key Embiid rolling to the to the elbow or out for three or hard to actually being able to take the ball to the cup right now or facilitate is just working so perfectly. And if they can keep that up and if they can break down that Eric Spolster defense, um, I mean, this this could be a really, really special run. And in my opinion, a championship well deserved for Harden for all, all the shit talking, right? And we got a long way. I know I'm jumping the gun here, but like, I, as I'm really processing the potential of what this could be, like, I, it, this, in my opinion, if they do get to the title, it's more important for Harden than it is for Embiid. It, it's very important for Embiid. Don't get me wrong, but this James James Harden has been crawling his way back since Oklahoma City, and that was fucking 2012. 2011 you know that was it was almost a lifetime ago at this point you know so i have a question for you i have two questions for you sure first being if you could put on your time machine hat and go back and make a decision that would impact today's roster would you rather as the general manager of the 76ers have the pairing of jimmy butler and joel Embiid, or james harden and joel Embiid today that's a really good question um that's a good question. 
I, I, I'd probably take Butler to be honest with you. Um, for playoffs specifically in that year that Butler was on the team, they were really, really good. Um, I think that we had talked about this a year, right? That was where he, yeah, totally that, buffed. well, that and that was they they lost to Kawhi and arguably the best, yeah, playoff run of all time. Jimmy's up there with it this year, but that was Kawhi, man on a mission, impossible shot. You know, we'll have to when we're if we really have nothing to talk about, we can run the numbers. And his, you know, his second best player was Kyle Lowry and yep. vet Fred Van Vliet. You know, no disrespect to either one of those guys, but it's I mean, just Fred was hot. He what, was, that was yeah, yeah, but but what? But come on, you know, I know, I like know what 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 he did with that team was unbelievable. Anyways, I, I'd probably take Butler. You know, in their okay. prime, I, I'd say Harden, but we're in in the time we're machine. In the reality, of, yeah. Yeah, like that's just not. I probably not. say, I probably say, if they hold on to Butler, they at least make the conference finals by now. Yeah, I you agree know? with you. No, and I, I agree, and I, that'll always be a what if, especially if Philly can't get it done this year. Um, so my second question then is, Harden and Embiid take home the trophy this year. They win the championship. From a legacy perspective, I think that solidifies Harden's career in my mind as a hall of fame worthy first and foremost but the question is like who had a better second half of their career harden or durant yeah i mean that's that's a great question um i'm not sure that that's still being written right it, yes. if harden goes if harden goes and does it with philly you know potentially harden right if KD and Booker go on a two, three year run the way that they're playing right now, it could be KD. I think the bigger question legacy wise is where is Harden on the all time list? Is he right behind Kobe? Is it Jordan, Kobe, Harden? Is it Jordan, Kobe, Wade, Harden? Right. Once again, these are topics for an actual pod to do real deep, real deep dives into numbers. But I think more or less that's where my mind goes with it. He gets his title, right? He's probably behind D Wade all time, right? It is is realistic, but he puts himself into that conversation of is it, is he right after Kobe? Because I mean, Harden's had ten plus fifty point games, multiple MVPs, right? Like he's had a great career. He just the playoff success has been tough. But then when you you counter that, Matt, the playoff success is he ran into the buzzsaw of golden state and KD went to golden state and you know, you can always make excuses in there, but that's kind of where my head goes. I would probably still say KD. That's what I still would say. KD has a better second half because KD is just a better player, but I mean, Harden has real, real hall of fame legacy implications on the line here. Big time. Well, and watching so first and foremost, watching Durant the other night, Oh God, dude, he's just, he's still great. Yeah. He's such a handful. Um, but I think if Harden wins this championship, I think in 20 years from now, when I think of this period in basketball, cause I, that's how I'm redefining my objective nature towards like the best of all time. I'm just going to do it in like 20 year blocks, you know, like yeah, maybe these 10, are my, yeah. yeah, these are my guys in this period. I, I never saw magic play. I can't, I never saw Jordan play. I just can't, it's not fair to them. Um, I'm going to, if Harden wins this year, I'm going to see Harden a lot closer to Kevin Durant than I ever thought even possible. 
And that is shocking because I always had this knock on Duran as being terrible on defense, just out there for the stats, always underperforming in the playoffs, something always going wrong. But if he can get it done when Durant couldn't get it done in, in Brooklyn, and if Durant can't get it done in Phoenix, I'm going to look at James Harden and be like, damn, you're a lot closer to Durant on this list than I ever thought possible. And I think that's a testament toward to buying into the system and some luck. You know, like it didn't work in Brooklyn for a number of reasons. <laughs> right. And what I'm seeing in this in this Phoenix series right now is it's a two-man show. And even if Chris were out there, you texted me, you thought they might be better without Chris, which I, I can't attest to because I haven't seen it. And I'm, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Like, Aiton's not getting any better. Yeah, and he sucks. He's not good. And if we are transitioning into a new period in the NBA, like that just means that Booker and Durant have to be that much better. And if they can't beat maybe the best team in the West right now, do we really expect for them to be able to come out of the West in the next two or three years as Durant gets older? Um, really interesting to look at these legacies. We'll talk about this in five years from now. You know, we'll reference this exact conversation. But I'm really impressed with what Harden is doing, and I'm I'm rooting for him. Yeah, and, and to the Harden KD thing, it's just it's really interesting how many times has KD now gone and played with someone where it's he needed KD needed them, and then on the flip side, how many times now has Harden switched the team where the team needed yeah. Harden? Right, every time it seems as well, Brooklyn needed Harden, Philly needed Harden, yeah, KD needed Golden State. KD needed Devin Booker and the Suns because if KD stayed in OKC, maybe he never gets back. If KD stays in Brooklyn, more likely than not, they're not getting back, right? His best year, his toe was on the line to what I said last week. Yeah. There is luck involved. But I mean, for my my thing for the whole KD Harden. Yeah, Katie's better, but I'll always have, I'll always feel a certain type of way about him. You know, that he took the easy way, even though it's not easy. And it's basketball and what he does is amazing, but he was never the alpha I think we all wanted him to be. And we see that in sports all the time. You know, like that's not a knock on him, it's a knock on us as fans. Like we wanted him to be Kobe, right? We wanted him to be like LeBron a little bit, just be the guy. And he's okay not being that guy. And that's just disappointing to us as fans. You know, it's it's a really weird psychological thing. It's like with our guy Rogers, right? Like we wanted him to be Tom Brady. He's just not. He's not mentally that guy. Well, and I know it's kind of a different convo, but. I think there's something to what you're saying because Brady and LeBron, I think if you were to genuinely sit them down and ask them and have them answer honestly, if you were to be like, do you care what people think of you? I think the resounding answer would be absolutely yes. 100%. Yes. I think when we've seen in interviews with Durant and Russ, no, we don't care what people think of us because we've been trashed since we were 19 years old. We've just been run through the mud over and over and over and over. And Durant's few interviews that I'm trying to reference here, it's, you know, comments on Twitter and this and that. He genuinely doesn't care about his image, his legacy, none of that right now. He's just out here trying to win basketball games. That's what I'm seeing yeah, from him and hearing from for him. For sure. And to me, there's almost, like you said, the psychological aspect, a problem to that. 
because LeBron does what he has to do to win because he cares what people think of him. He wants to be the greatest of all time. Tom Brady cares what people think about him, does what he needs to do to continue to win at all costs. Durant's just not in the same mindset as these guys. And I would say in his human aspect, he's almost in the right mindset. Right. Don't worry about where you're playing, who you're playing with, how I perceive you, how you perceive you. Like, just go live your life. Like, who are we? Who is anybody? But LeBron and, and Brady have the most success from a kind of corrupted mindset of insecurity. It's very interesting, the psychological approach and how like for sure that leads to more success materialistically than Durant, who it's like, well, damn, we're just going to continue to lower you on the bar of greatest of all time because you always needed somebody else, but you just don't give a shit. And when he was like at the you. end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, he was like, I just want to win basketball games. Like I want to go play ball with the guys that are the best and most fun to play ball with, you know, it, it and like you said, as a human, as a guy who would go play 24 and do all, it's like, yeah, that sounds fucking sweet, huh? Sweet. <laughs> like, isn't, isn't that the whole point, you know? Yeah. And and that's just the selfish fans in us and podcasters like us sitting there and like, well, I need Durant to be this guy. You know, like I need him to be yeah. a killer. He's like, dude, I'm just trying to fucking get high and take some jump shots straight up. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm literally just trying to smoke a little weed, chill out and play ball. And it's like, yeah, me too, actually. You know, like but it's 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 really interesting. It's and as I've talked about millions of times, the NBA community, whether that's the media, Twitter, certain fan bases are just so ridiculously toxic that I think he's just committed to that lifestyle because he'd probably be in a really tough spot mentally if he wasn't, you know, he's mental embraced health the villain. Yeah, like- right. And LeBron's embraced the hero, right? Like LeBron could easily have opted out of his contract. And Steph Curry too, same deal. Embrace the hero, right? Of he's too small. He's this, he's that. He's not a real MVP. He can't win without Durant. Like Steph has a lot of that in him too. Like, you know, Steph cares about what people say about him a hundred percent. And that's what's driven him to his greatness as well over the past decade and a half. I mean, you think about it in these roles, it's all about embracing, right? Like, it's about embracing or it's about changing the narrative and you have a choice as an athlete. Rogers has embraced the, the, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the vocabulary term, like the astrotalistic holistic weirdo style. Like, you know, like I am. AKA the, the hippie, the, the free thinker want me to be. And I'm happy. And like with that, but now we see him in New York and he's changing the persona very quickly. Hair is cut. He's out in the town. He's, he's showcasing the young team. He's wall street. Yeah, and it looks he, like it at least. It's like, what what does that lead to? That's my question. Like, what is like? I'm very curious to see what the change in narrative looks like in a different city and a different market. All I think sports is more psychological than we'll ever understand. And embracing your role and how does that like lead to success or failure is is really key. Like to me, Durant wants to win basketball games. And I don't fault him for having the mindset that he does, but. It's also manifesting negativity in a lot of ways and like that toe being on the line. There's just so much to this. That's like, have you really put yourself in this circumstance? And do you know that you have is the question. Yeah, we'll find out him and Booker or Booker specifically missed like 10 shots in two games just to barely beat the Nuggets twice, you know, 
it's going to be really, really tough for them to win two straight against this Denver team. You know, they're, they're really good and they're dialed in, but Lordy, man, is it, I mean, I'd argue that him and Booker are a better combo than him and Steph ever were. Now the team as a, as a whole is not as good, but the way those two play on the court and play two man game and get to their spots and make jumpers is, I mean, that's textbook one Oh one. What, how, how to pull up and take a jump or jumper, how to hit open shots, how to play in transition, how to fucking get to where you want on a basketball court, whether it's at the rim, mid range or three, those guys are putting on a clinic out there and I'm here for it. But uh, selfishly, I do want them to lose because I don't want them to be rewarded for that, <laughs> for him moving to, to Phoenix. Well, and I, I have to look at the numbers, but well, just watching them, Booker to me is a better inside player than than Steph was is was oh for yeah, sure I, absolutely I could, be, I could be wrong because I don't watch enough basketball but just watching them facilitate for each other it was all inside the arc none of it was to set up a three and I yeah. was just like wow like you're right they they just work absolutely perfectly together and Booker's better at attacking the rim he's better around the rim he's better in the mid range game and you just see the issue the defense is having with Durant and how it opens up space for Booker, just enough space where Booker didn't have that against Milwaukee in the championship, where Paul 100%. just couldn't give him that. No matter how great of a point guard Paul was, Paul just didn't draw the defense like Durant draws the defense because you have no choice. Durant's an, an absolute he's, – he's a viper out there. And um, <laughs> it is fun to watch these two. It's good, it's in the good basketball. For sure. All right, let's wrap it up. Dude, we're almost at an hour. It's been real. Um, we will probably see you guys in a couple weeks. Good luck with the move, Matt. Um, I will see you on the flip side. We'll get some stuff going here. You all have a great weekend. Peace out.